Hello, Carl Blau here, talking to you from Germantown, Philadelphia, to mention that when you support Low Profile, you not only help music lovers everywhere, but you also support the Markley Morrison family directly. A few ways you may do this are as follows. Donate to patreon.com slash lowprofile. Subscribe to the show if you haven't. Give it a sweet rating. And tell your friends about the good hard work Markley and his companions done on Low Profile. Now on with the show. This week's guest is Sean Schuster Craig, who performs under the moniker Jib Kidder. He grew up in the South and is currently based in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, excuse me. Just kidding, that's not my phone. This is his song, Helicopter, from his 2014 album, Pay to Play. Jib Kidder first made a splash when his song Window Dipper was featured on the TV show So You Think You Can Dance. Since then, he's primarily made sample-based music and incorporated that into his singer-songwriter style. He has a forthcoming album titled Jump the Gun, with release info to be determined. You can catch a sneak preview of that album later on this program. Sean's a deep thinker, and I'm excited to present this conversation. And before we hear that, I just want to encourage you to share this program with a friend if you enjoy it, and you can subscribe wherever you get podcasts if you want to hear new episodes as soon as they are released. Thanks for listening, and now here's my conversation with Sean of Jib Kidder. Sean, how do you do? Can't complain. Uh, can you set the scene for me? Like, uh, where are you in the world, and what's your surroundings? Um, I'm in my <clears throat> above garage studio in Ann Arbor, Michigan, which is uh, super quiet because my kids are out of town and uh, my wife's downstairs doing something related to science and it's a hot, it's a hot day. It's summertime, eating cherries, drinking bubble water. And where are you from, Sean? So I was born in Louisville. I moved to St. Louis when I was maybe 10. Moved to Georgia when I was 13. Moved to Michigan when I was 18. Then moved to New York and then to uh, San Francisco. From San Francisco to LA, from LA to Oakland, from Oakland back to New York and from New York back to Michigan. So I feel like I'm from Georgia. I don't know. That probably doesn't make much sense. Kind of depends on where you come of age or where you have the most, um, you know, transformative experiences. You know, middle school, high school was Georgia. So that makes some sense. Yeah. That's how um, I feel too. You know, I spent more years in Louisville, but those years, you know, you get your operating system rewritten and you don't remember those first years of your life. And so... Um, 
I don't remember Louisville that well, but it feels familiar to me. But Atlanta, if I go, if I if, if I'm driving into Atlanta when I start to get into the city, I feel like I'm coming home. So that's probably as close as it gets. But at the same time, I don't have any family there. Increasingly, I don't have that many friends there. Um, have you ever had a burger so, there? Have I ever had a burger in Atlanta? No, in Louisville. In Louisville. Um, well, I had, there was a, some place that I went as a kid and had very tiny burgers in Louisville, but I can't tell you where that was because that was a long time ago. The only business I could remember from Louisville would have been a, a record store called Ear Ecstasy and a comic shop called Great Escape. It's a good name for a comic shop. <laughs> I was super into Great Escape because even, um, even following my transition from comic books into music, um, like at my first um, experience buying music was just buying U2 tapes. I only listened to U2, Weird Al Yankovic and U2. And, um, and I, could, I could count on maybe a, a U2 tape or, or a Weird Al tape showing up in the, at the comic book store. So it was an easy transition. And, and Escher shirts. So I was into like uh, Infinity Gauntlet comic books. And, and the Great Escape had all of them, and I could walk to it. So, but we, I think we have a lot in common because, um, and tell me if this is not true, but um, I my musical beginnings, my first musical experiences were uh, church related. My dad was a church organist. My mom was like a cantor. This was a Catholic church. And also, I was my very first music I was into was Weird Al, and I think that was, those might be both true for yourself. Yeah, you. yeah, you you've done some research. <laughs> well, you That's know, I read true. part of an article. I read part of an article while I was uh, in between uh, eating dinner and setting up this microphone, so so that I was at least a little bit prepared to have a conversation with you. And um, yeah, and here we are. Yeah, you're spot on. That's that's very true. Um, yeah, did you and you did music in the church as well? Well, I mean, no, not no. really. I mean, uh, well, I would say that my first experiences singing or something like that would have been singing along to the music in church, and um, and I had a stint, and I think that my grandmother was next to me and. And then said to my mom, oh, you're, you know, your son can really sing. And um, then she put me in the choir. And then I, I remember being in the choir. I did the, um, for an enti- the first time I was in the choir, in the first church service, I did the uh, Star Trek. Uh, is it like a Vulcan hand thing? Uh, you, is, is that what it is? I, I don't, I don't can't remember the, yeah. the context. But I, I yeah, know, where you do the V with your about. hand. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I, I, I just had my hand like the V and was just holding it up for the, <laughs> for the entire service. And um, my mom was so horrified. I can't remember if that was the end of my <laughs> choir experience or, I, but she, man, she was pissed. But the uh, wow. but di- later as a teenager I did get hooked up with a gig like playing um, and this was like in St Louis I got paid a decent amount of money to to play um, classical guitar for the like youth mass or something like that and that was that was a good gig I I got paid um, but uh, nice but yeah my parents were musicians they were um, into classical music my mom had 
been a stage manager at the Kentucky Opera and she uh, did some singing. She was like an understudy in, in the Kentucky Opera as well and had some opportunities to sing. And she was, I think that she was singing in an opera when I was in utero and she fell into the orchestra pit and they thought I was dead. And oh, wow. I was not, I was alive. And I hated opera for such a long time. And then I got into these, um, these illustrated biographies of composers. The first one I read was Tchaikovsky and um, I got super into um, Verdi operas and uh, like Rigoletto and, um, and some other ones. And, um, and then now I've come around and I just, I had to learn that it's Italian opera that's so good. And Italian music in general, I've really, I've been super in love with Italian music. Um, I, let's see, I, I went out to uh, the, the one show I played last year, uh, maybe it was two years ago, but me and my friend Ben Lawless, rest in peace, we flew out to LA and I found this compilation of recordings from the 70s of like a hundred year old, you know, people at the end of their life playing these instruments that were soon to be extinct. And that music is so deep. That was the highlight of my trip to LA was discovering that. You know, another the highlight for me was sort of being in LA and because LA is kind of where it was probably, it's probably where I would choose to live if, um, if there was no other forces in my life but my own will. And uh, mm -hmm. it was kind of nice to be in LA and, and not be loving it, not be so, so head over heels in love with it as a place and, and uh, have a reality check and be like, ah, oh, this wouldn't be so great. Because when I did live in LA, I was, I was super in love with it. And I didn't, I didn't have any contact with any of the things you might complain about it because what had happened was um, I was working in a hospital kitchen and, um, and I was an alcoholic and I had just uh, gotten a big check from the Fox network for having 45 seconds of my music on So You Think You Can Dance. watched that last night um for the first time and it was it was pretty cool i have i've never seen that show but i just thought that whoever was behind that choice do you know if that was the dancer's choice or i know the story there which is that um a former contestant of the show and a choreographer um I think went on to an online forum and, 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 and crowdsourced, you know, do you guys know anything with computer sounds? And I think that there was a vacuum there um, that my song filled. There, there wasn't something else that was easily danceable. And, and then, there, then there was someone knew my song. And uh, then that choreographer, nice. I think, would have showed the actual, probably turned the contestant onto the song. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, I mean, at the at the point when that happened, I needed some kind of break because I uh, 
I wasn't doing anything. I, you know, I, um, I had a real hard time figuring out sort of how to follow up that record. So we're talking about All On Y'all. All right? On Y'all. It had been such an intense um, experience making that record. And um, I mean, how to put it, like it was its own world, the, the record itself. And uh, it wasn't like I was making a genre of music and I was going to going to permanently be in that um in that world i had i had been almost only listening at the time to, I guess what people would call like region rap, like like under, underground rap that was really specific to these different Southern cities. I mean, Memphis, but also New Orleans and um, and, and Atlanta too. And um, Different regions. Different regions and, 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 and the sort of, I mean, for me, I was coming from a perspective of, um, of really being obsessed with, um, people who made their mu you know made and recorded and did their music themselves you know without anyone polishing it up and um mm -hmm. and you know i discovered stuff like i remember discovering daniel johnston when um when it, when he, when i saw kids you know when i was 12 or 13 and just being like whoa now wait a second what is this and um and it was a real similar experience to um to discovering um, some real underground Southern rap that like um, DJ Jubilee from New Orleans, but also early DJ Paul and Juicy J stuff from Memphis. And, and then a little bit later, Span DJ Spanish Fly, who was kind of a predecessor of those guys. And um, that stuff had such a unique perspective on, on making the most of so, from so little and, and, and to make really huge music with um with really limited means you know so i was i was immersed in that and I, and i was listening to it all the time and um and um and i had to um i had to make music too i mean i was um so you know i came from a background of um of being taught how to play guitar from sort of a bluegrass dude and um you know, it, it, be, it at some point it became a question of like, you know, I'm I'm not going to, um, I can't, I'm not going to make rap music. That's not, um, that's not uh, something I have any particular insight into. But at the same time, I I, I can't help but be influenced. You know, just like you, um, you dream right. about you dream about the images you see in a book before you go to sleep. Um, that you know i had to have some way to process it and make my own and make my own music out of it uh, i i was looking at your uh bio that's online mm -hmm. and you talked a lot about collage there um i mean for me collage as a practice started visually and um i think earlier on it was uncertain whether i would what was going to take over for me music or 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 art and um you know my earliest my 
and when I was a kid, the art was um, more front and center, and, and and which I think is more about like it's common to be able to draw before you can play a music with any you know play a musical. It takes it takes a, it takes a lot longer to learn how to play a musical instrument than to hold a pencil, or or maybe not even that. Maybe that society encourages you to master the pencil much faster than the music, but. Um, but I sort of started in the visual realm and music took over after that. And um, by the time I was really getting deep into writing music, I already um, was doing a lot of visual collage. And so I think it was a natural translation of, um, of oh, you know, I know how to do this in this other realm, what, what, you know, which I think, you know, more than anything was actually about having uh, a, a deep need for expression and um, a deep interest in creation and not a lot of necessarily just like inborn artistic skill. So you you have moved a lot. I was wondering if your geographic locations um, maybe had different, like, could you describe where you were when you first started Jib Kidder? And sort of like general idea of what Jib Kidder was in that region. Well, well, yeah, I mean, kind of, yeah. I mean, um, I don't think that there's been it hasn't been that coherent. What, what, uh, I th- there's been a I could have used many different aliases for projects that sound different, um, and I don't sure. know exactly what caused me not to. But I think it had to do with some real ideas about identity and um, some real skepticism about um, about what we think of as identity. And, and, and there's a lot of attachment that people put to... Um, there's a lot of thoughts that people have about identity in music and about region in music that um, I think are misleading. But, but I was recording... Um, first discovered home recording uh, in my parents' house in Georgia and um, first used the name Jib Kidder once it came to me in a dream and, and I made some CDRs um, mostly with toy keyboards. At the time I was I was super into um, I was super into Pee Wee Herman and uh, and uh, I think probably <laughs> if you had asked me what I wanted to do when I grew up I would have said it would be great to make music for a children's television show I, I didn't you know I didn't want to be a, a a rock band necessarily but um but I got super right, into yeah. using key, toy keyboards just like exclusively toy keyboards and then and then I kind of discovered the dumbest um most simple MIDI sequencer you could possibly use which was called Pianito Micro Studio kept me busy for a while I mean that stuff um, I can't it's hard for me to listen to now but but Pianino Micro Studio kept kept me busy and um, so I was in Atlanta um, in my first apartment you know as an as an as an emerging adult and uh, 
smoking a ton of pot and uh, smoking a ton of cigarettes and um, making a sort of, uh, you know, mi general midi rock opera about methamphetamine. All, everybody I knew from high school was just being decimated by methamphetamine, and uh, I kind of processed that. I kind of processed that experience. Um, by making this pretty complicated rock album, uh, rock opera, rather, called Super Jib Kidder versus the Squids. And that, that was kind of where it started. And then, um, and then I moved to Ann Arbor and, um, and it was a while before I found my way out of the, um, the general MIDI sequencer that was because you know I was super into arranging you know I, I really wanted to write music for a lot of parts and so um, when I discovered something that was just like almost like just using f the finale software to compose um, it really kept me busy for a while and, and the results are if you ask me completely unlistenable but it, it kept me busy because it I had a lot of thinking about part writing that that I got to explore in that way. And it took me a while to get out of it. And um, and then I spent some time kind of trying to learn how to make, um, use more playing of real instruments, but it was sort of a learning curve for getting um, good sounds out of, uh, out of, uh, I mean, I'm not even, I'm, I'm barely happy with now with, um, with, some gear around and and much more knowledge of acoustics like I'm, I'm still not necessarily happy with the sound I get when I record a mandolin but it's 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 wor worlds away from when I was young and um, so I couldn't really figure that out and then there was a little bit of stagnation until I discovered oh I can I can record straight from from vinyl records and, and that sounds beautiful it's rich it's complete it's not um, it's not missed. It's not leaving me. It's not leaving anything wanting. This is great. Um, and so then it took me a while of of using um, every kind of recording I could get my hands on before I was comfortable again to start trying to record um, sounds of my own. And then it was kind of a long time before I got comfortable with that. And uh, and then now it's at the point mm -hmm. where. Um, you know, I can I can easily meld both practices. But then there's been a radical change recently, which is kind of towards the start of this pandemic. Um, I had a health problem, and I, for the first time in my life, stopped smoking weed. And uh, all of a sudden, I had these radical dreams, out-of-body dreams, lucid dreams. And then it was pretty hard to justify uh, giving those up. And, uh, and I also felt way less crazy. Um, way less anxious, way less uh, depressed. And so right. um, so I'm sticking with it. And um, there's some real changes to my music brain from it. But I ha but the little bit of work that I have done since this started has been extremely stripped down and really simple, like uh, two tracks, guitar and voice. And uh, I think I'll probably, I think I have some some investigations to do in that realm for a while. Wow. A limb fell locomotion 
digits of a bird on you Lonely old sensation Flow of wind, I glide on you I'm flying information Throwing water onto you Always on vacation Shape of wing or strength of claw and illustration Who am I talking to? Illustration Maybe flying is a limb for locomotion Digits of a bird I mean, it took me a long while to appreciate lyrics i mean when i was younger i didn't really listen to them i mean and and i think that that comes out of um the first band i was exposed to was u2 and and u2 has um some really beautiful um you know i was reading this metal producer in tape op and he was talking about how under you know he's like people are gonna hate me for saying this but I think that underneath Joshua Tree, there's a, just a beautiful ambient album that someday someone will be able to, you know, pull out from under there. But, but yeah, u two's got the, mm-hmm. I mean, the worst lyrics of of any band that's ever been, um, that's ever been around. And um, so I think that when u two, you know, when u two's in your DNA like that, you, you you tend to discount lyrics, and that's my justification. But but maybe it was also that I, that the abstract aspects made so much sense to me, and and music just inherently made so much sense to me that that I was thinking about it in a different way, and and I wasn't thinking about it as a vehicle for some sort of uh, f- for words. But when I discovered Gertrude Stein, um, that changed for me, and and for the first time I saw an example of of something that I really related to um, my own experience of music, which was the way that she could say a very specific and very deep thing with common with common words with you know just absolutely familiar words which to me to me um you know i kind of relate to i remember um i remember being in composition class for music and um and the composition teacher being really critical of of me what I was doing with the diatonic scale and just being like, oh, you know, you can, you can play some diatonic notes and it sounds pretty or, and, and that was actually, uh, my reaction to that was, uh, I'm, I'm going to show this. And that's kind of how I, the next thing I did was to, to mix gangster rap and, um, and, and the, and the university's gamelan. Um, I, uh-huh. I borrowed the keys to the University of Michigan's Gamelon and I lugged my desktop computer in there and I, <laughs> and I played that note for note. take a seven note scale and and despite um a long and rich history of people changing the order of those notes you can still do a a real novel recombination of those of those few notes and and go to a very deep place with it and and that's what i saw 
and Gertrude and, and the Gertrude Stein stuff like Tender Buttons and 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 other stuff in geography and plays like you just I mean in a way that's really was radical for me um, I could see how uh, this parallel between between notes and words that opened up words for me and um, and so now and having this sort of collage perspective now um, now I can now I can use that where it's um, where it's just words and or or words and and one instrument and um, I, for a long time I've wanted to do that and 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 in a series I did uh, of etudes was a way that I kind of zeroed in on on doing collage with a single instrument and so I think finally I'm getting to the point where um, I can use my methods with 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 uh, and have a very little amount going on instead of instead of a lot going on because on a lot of the records there's a lot going on sure yeah and you you've had a tendency to sort of bring it all together the first thing i ever heard by you uh your steel guitars lp an album that i i had wished i had made <laughs> some years <laughs> some years earlier i i was always thinking about how fun it would be to make an album kind of like in the vein of the avalanches but just using uh classic country records mm -hmm. just sort of like and you you pulled it off sir you like really and then some it's just really nicely done and it also it's just like really heavy-handed on the on the hip-hop production while like keeping it really twangy the whole time I know at some point I was like, well, you know, I should do the uh, the redneck follow-up, the, the all on y'all redneck version, the, the the country version, and um, and I got really deep, you know, and I was I was doing pretty deep research for all on y'all, and I did the same for steel guitars, and there was two different uh, pedal steel records by Jimmy Crawford, but then also this sort of Nashville session player supergroup called the Nashville Bar Association. Those records are so incredible. But the Jimmy Crawford, I can't, there was, both of them had a pun about steel in the title. I think Steel Crazy was the second one, but I can't remember what the first one was called. But, but yeah, those records in particular really blew my mind, but also I, I, got, I really got into uh, early Conway Twitty. And, um, and Roy Orbison too, kind of a, a around the same time. And, um, and really, really, oh, yeah. really got into that music, and uh, and that kind of helped me a little further down the line with with making vo with a return to vocal music and making vocal music and and stuff. But it's it's still guitars is interesting. Um, it's been interesting who's been into that record. Uh, Alex Gray, you know that psychedelic painter, Alex Gray. I think he did the cover to In Utero, if I'm c correct. 
Um, yeah. But some other people too. It's been interesting. Oh, you know what? Another. I. There, it was funny. Uh, man, a very some kind of very boring uh, band. Let me think of what they're called. Okerville River. You know that band? I've heard of them. Yeah. I've, there's uh, no reason you'd listen to them. But a guy from that band, some uh, a birder guy who was in <laughs> who was in that band, um, walked into a cafe in New York and he. Um, and he heard steel guitars and he was like, oh, these are my favorite records, you know, uh, I gotta reach out to this guy. And he asked me to go on tour with him and I said, well, uh, I can't do that. But let's uh, let's play a show. And I opened up for his, his uh, polished NPR band, um, in New York, but it was it was my favorite kind of show, just the best show I could hope for, which is um, playing a show for a bunch of squares and 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 doing something to to f and open their head a little bit is uh, the just the best live experience I can imagine. So, the guy from I can't yeah. remember, I can't remember what his band was called, but um, the guy the sold out show from the guy from I mean. I think they were really upset when I smoked out the green room, and I think they found my uh, banter really distasteful and uh, smelled bad. And it was so fulfilling, though. I mean, the audience was—they were paying attention because they—it it surprised them. And um, it can be hard uh -huh. to surprise people, and um, and especially if you make experimental music, you're you're. Um, you're often performing for people who um, it's hard to surprise who've, who've been around the block in terms of at least in terms of uh, downloading a bunch of things they've half listened to. But I haven't ever, you know, I think that people often um, do the same show uh, 50 times and uh, take it all across the country. And I've, I've kind of never done that. It's always been um, a constant, um, a constant change and uh, pretty erratic and pretty erratic in terms of quality and 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 no one gives me shows anymore so uh i don't have the ability to flex that but uh but it would be fun if i did and in, in the meantime i i will not be doing a streaming concert so don't you know, that's not coming uh but uh okay i will not write that in my calendar it's bad when i have to zoom the pediatrician that's that's when i just want to die i just why can't we just have a phone call the phone is uh the phone's hard enough. I don't want to. I don't want to infinite jest with you, man. It's uh, God. Yeah, this isn't the Jetsons. Come on. Yeah. about live shows you, you've had a few different bands along the way yeah um you know i've never had a natural the, the 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 most um the most natural band i ever had uh was uh, was uh, 
an emerging band uh, somewhat recently with my friend my friend Ben Lawless and and the story there was that um, we played music together together when we were young and um, and he, a lot of bands you know they start playing together when they're young because it's important to um, the kind of bond you get with people um, when you're still plastic and and you're still um, you know adjustable uh, you, that's where you really end up in a psychic situation and uh, so my friend Ben who I had mentioned um, he uh, he found himself in on his journey he found himself uh, a, a homeless alcoholic and he showed up uh, at my house and um, I don't think we would really had too much of a conversation about it but I, he knew the door was open for him and he showed up at my house and I told him uh, I told him that he could live with with me, with my family, if he, as long as he wasn't going to drink, he could live here, and um, he wouldn't need to pay any rent or whatever, and and we could play music. And uh, one thing I know that's good for Ben is playing music. And so then every day I would just he would be sleeping, and I would just wake him up, and I would just say, Ben, we're playing music right now, and and it worked. And every single day he'd play with me. And at first his drumming was was not good. Uh, but it got good very quickly, and um, me and Ben um, were both writing our own parts and exploring our own territory, and 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 no one was outplaying the other one, and and we were enjoying um, the same things about having a different. I mean, it's very interesting the experiences I have with Ben because uh, you know how you can look at uh, a 2D drawing of a 3D cube and you can perceive it um, being two different kinds of boxes. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And you can kind of control it and, and you can actually flip your perception back and forth between those two different cubes. But so always with, inverted or yeah, exactly. And, yeah. And, and always with, with rhythmic thinking, me and Ben would have these different perspectives and, um, and then there would be things that would pull one of us to see the other one's side of things. And it, and it made us laugh. It was a lot like tripping. And, and I've had experiences tripping where um, where you feel something that you know is straight and it feels curved at the same time. And, and, um, and you can hold on to that ambivalence, and, or, or, or if that's not the right word, maybe. But, but you can hold on to that, to both sides of that. And um, that's such a powerful... Um, experience and uh and it's such a powerful um i mean all around whenever you can um whenever you can perceive a person as both bad and good at the without without and just hold on to those things um and whenever you can perceive the future as, as horrible and beautiful and and um and really not vacillate between the two but but contain them at the same time it's a very it's a powerful experience and uh we had that a lot playing and and we almost got good and um i mean we got we were deep uh, immediately but we were we were on our way to getting good and uh I, ben started drinking again and, and we went our separate ways and uh, and then he killed himself so oh that was that was as close as i got to a natural band and um uh, and there's never, there's never been, there's, there's, you know, there's other, there's been, um, me, um, having friends who are, are like me and, 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 and make music, 
in their own um, in their own self-made language who sort of agreed to spend a lot of time learning my music or or there's also been more adept players sort of more of like uh, music student type you know people who who really have chops who have been able to um, who've been able to do shows with me with very little instruction because they because they can play well but but no there's never mm -hmm. there's never been a proper um, band other than I mean the closest it came was like I mentioned with Ben and um, and it would be nice to have it's it's um, it, it's it would be nice to have a band, but uh, but yeah. Ben was one of the guys who taught me how to play music, and um, you know my guitar teacher Jimmy was um, was another guy who taught me how to play music. So listen, Jimmy, if you're out there and you're listening to this episode of Low Profile, give me a phone call. Let's talk, even if you don't make much sense. Give me a call. I miss you. This goes out to you, Jimmy. But yeah, Jimmy turned. You know, Jimmy taught me how to play guitar, and, and Ben taught me about um, about syncopation, and um, and and both those guys, and Jimmy's little brother Ben, and and their friend Matt. They, they you know, they were older guys. They turned me on to a lot of great music, and um, and that had a huge influence on me. And um, they all had a big uh, a big part in shaping um, who I became and uh, shaping my tastes. And, um, and, um, and here we are. Ben wakes up for a while. I don't really want my life. Give me something that fits. Do you know the raccoon sound? While Matt working on the chips. Float around this coast town. In some big leather seat. Back to chill free trees. Fruit time brought, let me out. When you extract my sound. that song on uh is that song benny about the guy we were talking about you're referring to my unreleased song benny on my unreleased album jump the gun it is about ben yeah are you interested in talking about your upcoming album well let me back up because after ben died um I, uh, I kind of went into a little into a cave and and in that cave all i did was listen to music from Mozambique. Um, uh, there's a genre of music called Marabenta. Really uh, joyful music, but that came out of um, a lot of pain. Um, and so that, that was, a, that was uh, super inspiring to, to, you know, cause you hear a lot of, um, you hear a lot of uh, tortured, uh, um, music in this culture that comes out you know people in pain uh, make this music that sort of wants to bring you down to their their level or or the, or to sort of wallow in the pain and um to have this beautiful mozambique music um have such a different uh, different take was really um 
it was healing for me, but it also uh, it really put some problem-solving, formal solutions in my mind. And that stuff really opened up my head somewhere. So something happened where uh, all of a sudden I was able to um, solve problems that had got me stuck before. And um, with that new skill, I, I had accumulated over the course of um, 10 years or so a variety of, of beats or, or um, skeletons of songs or sort of unfinished instrumentals that, uh, that I liked better than anything else I'd made. But despite liking them better, or maybe mm. because I liked them better, I was unable to complete them. And um, at sure. that point, all of a sudden, I was able to complete them. And in, 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 in a really rapid and natural way, um, I made a whole record out of them. And so, it, you know, it was this uh, greatest hits of, of incompletion, this, uh, you know, best moments that never happened. And, um, and the, process of, the process of finishing them was so smooth. So it, it went that way with other people, too. So... Um, I was really obsessed with this idea of for the cover art. I usually make the cover art, and I'm I'm like I'm I'm a very visual person, but I'm not a very skilled artist. So, you know, when you brought up steel guitars, it's very interesting about that record because I spent as much time on the cover as I did on the on the on the record. But with with the record, my work on the on the record was you know skilled and adept, but my work on the cover was just. Um, was comical and and my wife was at the time she was not my wife at the time but but she we lived together and and she would make fun of it she would just see me obsessing over this fucking cover and and, and laugh at oh, me and, but i had this idea the cover for for jump the gun the new record i i really wanted um i wanted a where's waldo vibe i, I was my kids were getting into where's waldo and i was looking at some of the action on there and i was uh, obsessed with it and, and loving where's waldo but but also bosch and and thinking about um you know these just big triptychs with just so much a flurry of of demented activity but then someone hit me up on instagram and i happened to look at their page and and and, and that happened to be the artist um uh, jake tobin and i I look at his page and then all of a sudden I was like, holy shit. He's on that Bosch shit. He's on that where's, he's doing that where's Waldo thing. And uh, I sent him a, 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 you know, a DM like, uh, hey, I was thinking about, you know, I was trying to make this cover art and then I looked at your page and, you know, you, uh, exactly what I was thinking of. And within 24 hours without really, coming up with any plan together. Um, I mean, we, we riffed on ideas a little bit, uh, and I can't remember exactly how it went, but but within such little time, he just made the cover. And um, it really came together in, uh, in a way that that, um, that I believe in. And, and it's, it's a culmination of, um, of a very long line of work. I mean, I think that, um, I think that I've always been, um, really really trying to learn and and um and and always never really satisfied and and always trying to find a new method and and, and always trying to um to find a new way to because i think i'm adhd and, and and i really i need a lot to be excited and i'm and i want um 
I want more. I want more stimulation. And uh, um, And you, yeah, you described your music to me as ADHD psychedelia when I uh, see that makes sense. I jokingly, I I jokingly asked you what genre you were. (laughs) See, I I read this book and it was and it was kind of written by a hack by a sort of like celebrity uh, psychological hack, and uh, so I don't, I don't want to advocate it necessarily, but but the book w- the book was called uh, ADHD, A Hunter in a Farmer's World, and uh, and when I read that, I was like, holy shit, this is a book that's talking about me. I am, I am, uh, I'm a hunter in a farmer's world, man. Um, you know, I, I um, I was born to hunt, and 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 so in pursuing creative, um, and being in the creative field, I necessarily came out with uh, with a way to hunt and and, and and a hunting method of of working, and um, and you know like a, like a, like any natural hunter, um, I I kind of sleep with one eye open, and I'm 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 ready to jump up for a threat, and I'm always taking in. Um, the whole uh, the whole scene and um and if a fly buzzes by i i definitely notice it and um and uh, yeah it, it just went so far to explain where i was coming from and um and so i really uh i do i do think it's a, a powerful uh, part of my aesthetic is um is that i'm a hunter and um and that I'm willing to uh, invest a lot in order to uh, succeed in that hunt and, and to catch the, you know, to catch the metaphorical rabbit or whatever it is, or to, to get that fish in my hand. Um, I'm willing to um, to do a lot, but at the same time, there's a lot of uh, sort of more farmer type shit that uh, I can't pull off at all. And um, yeah, I believe I, this record. I believe in it. It's not. I mean, um, you know, I make a lot of records. I I, uh, I don't always believe in them this much, and so um, I don't want it to get lost. I don't want it to not be listened to, and um, and so that's what I meant about. Um, I, it's hard for me to not be pessimistic about it. I, it you know, it, it. I finished it at just the time where it's going to be a, a pretty tough sell, and. Um, yeah. And uh I hope I can get it, you know, I'm going to make I'm going to put it out myself. Um I've never People got their ears on these days. I don't know. I think they've got their ears off. I think I think people are used to listening to music at work and they're not at work and so they're just at home and I yeah. think they got their uh Netflix on and um you know, I I don't know. Maybe maybe they do. Um you know, maybe people will hear it somehow. Um, but but I'm gonna make a record. I'm gonna make a vinyl record, and um, and um, and that'll feel good because I haven't made one for a while. Um, I may, you know, after the Domino record, Teaspoon to the Ocean. Uh, let's see, they did a seven inch too, and then I had an interesting record. The last record I made was um, by a, a label called Care of, where they uh, send you a check in the mail to download it, and. Um, and and that was um, that was kind of a kind of a dark a dark dance record.
uh, it's called uh, New Works for Realistic Mixer. The one person who reviewed it um, did a lot of philosophizing about what I might have meant through the poetic expression realistic mixer but it's uh it's a radio shack mixer i'm sure you've seen one this is realistic on it and i and know I, what you're talking about yeah that's what i used yeah. to make it but um but uh the the titles are all fly species so those are all um you know there was uh there's that aphex twin album drug use where um it looks like all the titles are nonsense but half of them are welsh and uh so it's the old uh idm trick of of um, fluid interplay, but you know, fluid boundaries between nonsense and, and sort of obscure sense, and it looks like the titles are not, but no, the, the titles are flies. Each one's a different fly. And your wife, you said something in an email about how she's a fruit fly scientist. My wife is a fruit fly scientist, so she can do brain surgery on flies and if she needs to tie them down with a single human hair to do it she can do that i can't even imagine what the tools must look like for that job i don't can you even see oh them? no you're familiar with all the tools you know pipettes um slides microscopes wow yeah i i was imagining like a tiny hospital bed you know yeah yeah well you know i don't know anything about i i, I honestly know a shocking little about it even despite my intimate relationship with um, flies but that was the last time i made a record so maybe it's been four years i love i love to make records and i and i felt guilty about them because they seemed like some kind of eco crime but now i learn that vinyl records are the greenest medium for music mm. streaming is an is an absolute disaster in terms of energy consumption and the, the cloud is not a cloud the cloud is just it's huge hidden infrastructure that's uh that's um you know wildly expanding the amount of energy that we consume at exactly the point in time where we need to be doing the opposite so um so it's somewhat of a relief to to to, to know that and so i can uh put out records without feeling guilty about it except for the truth is that uh people will be listening to it in both ways. And so it's, you know, couldn't be more of a environmental disaster. Well, I'm thinking about playing do a bunk. I love, that's my personal favorite. I'm glad you said that because no one else, no one's converged around that yet. And um, yeah, that one's special to me. And, um, and I think about if you've ever heard of grapheme color synesthesia, I I code songs with color and, um, For me, that's the purple song on the album, which is also my favorite color. And um, and um, so, yeah, that one sticks out for me a lot. I love that one. I'm glad you like it. I'm glad you brought that one up. Do a bunk.
can't wait for Jump the Gun to come out. It's, it's real exciting. Um, there's one thing that we've left out, and I sort of... Uh, I reached for it earlier, but we didn't get there. And it's something I like to ask a lot of our more esteemed guests. And uh, I've never asked anyone this way, but um, you, you're familiar with the structure of a haiku, I'm sure. Um... I, you know, it, X syllables, Y syllables, X. I don't know the numbers there, but but um, I think it's five seven five. Okay. Um, so this is a mental exercise, and also a little something about yourself. Um, is how do you like a burger? How do I like a burger in a haiku? Um, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So, uh, with a big salad, with a very big salad, with a salad. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah, so oh, we did great. that. We did that. That was good. Yeah, thank you so much for, for talking to me and telling me everything. Dude, thank you for calling me. Uh, thank you for wanting to know what the hell's going on in my mind, because it's fun to uh, it's fun to tell you my secrets. And I hope that you have a great week. 